Good evening, everyone. Thank you so much for coming. We'll continue to read from Sri Jiva Goswami's Krishna Sandarbha, reading at the 50th Anucheda. Jiva Goswami is supporting the Parivas Sutra by showing that all the major discussions within the Srimad Bhagavatam are directed to Krishna. Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead. Parikshit's eagerness to hear about Krishna. Jiva Goswami writes here, There are many other such statements in Srimad Bhagavatam indicating Parikshit's intense eagerness to hear about Krishna. In this regard, the opening section of the 10th canto should also be consulted. So we're going to consult that. Um, the opening statements in the 10th canto here Jiva Goswami quoted the, pointed out the first through the 13th verses. So um, I'll read through some of those verses. King Parikshik said, My dear Lord, you have a Lord here, he's referring to Sukadeva Goswami. So my dear Lord, you have elaborately described the dynasties of both the moon god and the sun god with the exalted and wonderful character of their kings. O best of Munis, you have also described the descendants of Yadu who <clears throat> were very pious and strictly adherent to religious principles. Now, if you will, kindly describe the wonderful, glorious activities of Lord Vishnu or Krishna who appeared in that Yadu dynasty with Baladev his plenary expansion. The Super Soul, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, Sri Krishna, the cause of the cosmic manifestation, appeared in the dynasty of Yadu. Please tell me elaborately about his glorious activities and character from the beginning to the end of his life. Glorification of the Supreme Personality of Godhead is performed in the Parampara system. That is, it is conveyed from the spiritual master to disciple. Such glorification is relished by those no longer infested in, I'm sorry, interested in the false temporary glorification of this cosmic manifestation. Descriptions of the Lord are the right medicine for the conditioned soul undergoing repeated birth and death. Therefore, who will cease hearing such glorification of the Lord except a butcher or one who is killing his own self. Text 5 through 7. Taking the boat of, the, of, Krish, of Krishna's lotus feet, my grandfather Arjuna and others crossed the ocean of the battlefield of Kurukshetra in which such commanders as Bhishmadev resembled great fish that were, could very easily have swallowed them. By the mercy of Lord Krishna, my grandfathers crossed this ocean, which was very difficult to cross, as easily as one steps over the hoofprint hoof of a calf. Because my mother surrendered unto Lord Krishna, lotus feet, the Lord, Sudarshan's chakra in hand, entered her womb and saved my body, the body of the last remaining descendant of the Kurus and the Pandavas which was almost destroyed by the fiery weapon of Asvatthama. Lord Sri Krishna appeared within and outside 
of all materially embodied living beings by his own potency in the form of eternal time, that is, as Paramatma and as Varat Rupa. He gave liberation to everyone, either as cruel death or as life. Kindly enlighten me by describing his transcendental characteristics. My dear Sukadev Goswami, you have already explained that Sankarshan, who belongs to the second quadruple, appeared as the son of Rohini named Balaram. If Balaram was not transferred from one body to another, how is it possible that he was first in the womb of Devaki and then in the womb of Rohini? Kindly explain this to me. Why did Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, leave the home of his father Vasudeva and transfer himself to the house of Nanda in Vrindavan? Where did the Lord, the master of the Yadu dynasty, live with his relatives in Vrindavan? Lord Krishna lived both in Vrindavan and in Mathura. What did he do there? Why did he kill Kamsa, his mother's brother? Such killing is not at all sanctioned in the Shastras. Krishna, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, has no material body, yet he appears as a human being. For how many years did he live with the descendants of Vrishni? How many wives did he marry? And for how many years did he live in Dwarka? O great sage, you know everything about Krishna. Please describe in detail all the activities of which I have inquired and also those of which I have not, for I have full faith and am eager to hear of them. Because of my vow on the verge of death, I have given up even drinking water. Yet, because I have been drinking the nectar of the topics about Krishna, which is flowing from the lotus mouth of your lordship, my hunger and thirst, which are extremely difficult to bear, cannot hinder me. Maharaj Parikshit is inquiring sitting before Sukadev Goswami he, he he wants to know it all about Krishna everything from the beginning of his life to the end of his life uh, gives a few hints of how detailed he wants the discourse to be I want you to go into great detail just like and then he gives some examples as to the extent of his knowledge of Krishna and and thereby he's he's giving some indication to Maharaj Parikshit, I mean to Sukadev Goswami as to you know, we we want it all. Don't leave anything out. Give us give us all the all the details of the Lord's time. How long that was that time, and uh, and make it as comprehensive as you can. And of course, we find that the tenth canto of the Bhagavatam is the most, uh, the largest part of the Srimad Bhagavatam, being presented in ninety chapters. So, a considerable amount of information is presented there about Krishna. So. Back to uh, Jiva Goswami Sandarbha. So, the opening, in this regard, the opening section of the 10th canto should also be consulted. Well, we've just done that. Going on. In addition, there is the following statement of Sri Sutta. This is a 
verse from the 12th chapter of that 10th canto. O Duiges, having thus heard the extraordinary deeds of his protector, Sri Krishna, King Parichit, who was entrusted to his grandfather by the Lord, grandfather, it should be grandfathers, by the Lord of the Yadavas, requested Sukadev to relate more of the same sacred pastimes that had captivated his mind. Uh, this particular section, if I'm right, talking about the 12th, 12th chapter, the 10th canto. So now we have the verse speaks of, of Parikshit Maharaja's uh, well, it's kind of overwhelming, this, this point of Krishna giving liberation to demons. So Agasura has just been killed. We've already seen Putin killed, but this is the first uh, visible display. We know through the Leela narrative, as um, comment, commented on by the uh, Acharyas, the Gaudiya Vaishnavas, that Putin attained liberation, uh, a position similar to that, a foster mother uh, of Krishna and the other demons. But now, in this 12th chapter, there's visible, a visible display of the granting of liberation. Agasura has, has been killed and his, his soul, which is, Generally, when someone's killed, people don't people don't notice the soul leaving the body. It's uh, generally uh, not visible. So here we see that first of all, as presented in the Bhagavatam, Agasura's soul lit up all directions. Very much illuminating, meaning that it had been completely purified. So, and then it just hovers there in the sky, you know, the soul of Agasura. And when Krishna comes out from the body of Agasura, that illuminated soul enters into the body of Krishna. So, this is the verse. This is a verse of being just astounded by this vision. And this gives, this shows something that is extraordinary, visibly. Now we're seeing a visible display of the result of Krishna destroying a demon and seeing that 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 personality is actually entering in to Krishna. So his, his divine position as the Swayam Bhagavan, the Supreme Personality of Godhead, is now becoming more pronounced in the Leela narrative. Now, and then what's followed up by the Brahma Vimohan Leela 
and we see, well, in that Leela, a complete and absolute confirmation of the Parivasutra. Beyond any shadow of a doubt, this Krishna is the Swayam Bhagavan, the topmost manifestation of the Supreme Personality of Godhead. So this, this is making it perfectly clear that there is some hierarchy within the manifestations of the Godhead in all the, in all the avatars that are descending, which we have, that which the sages have had experience of and through that experience and seeing those leelas have they've created the canon of of knowledge that's been passed down in disciplic succession from disciple from spiritual master to disciple as maharaj parikshit spoke in the very opening verses of of the tenth of the tenth canto, so it just it just then, of course, never had anything like this been experienced or spoken of in disciplic succession, and then we come to the point of Krishna's advent and his leela, and in his leela. He's performing acts that no other manifestation of the Supreme Lord has enacted anywhere near what Krishna does. So here we have the first, the first real visible evidence through the entering of Agasura into Krishna's form. We have visible evidence now. There's something special with this this Krishna avatar. Some... I mean, they saw the body of Putana and Krishna obviously killed her. And yes. Bharta, so isn't that like astounding too? In the Bhagavad narrative, though, was it discussed in the way it was with Agasura, mm. that their souls hovered in the sky and were, and they could, and the, the yeah, vision was there of the soul entering into the form of the Lord. Was that in the other Leelas? No. So that's why this particular Leela is significant. Now you have a visible showing. It's not that Krishna didn't liberate the other demons he killed, but this is the first visible display of, of that liberation. The other liberation is relayed to us, as I said, through the commentaries of the Gaudiya teachers. So they, of course, they were liberated. There's no question. But if you were there, you wouldn't know it. That was the point, yes. This is the point, first graphic display, visible. So this, this sparks Sutta Goswami, Sutta Goswami's verse here. O Dwijas, having thus heard the extraordinary deeds of his protector, Sri Krishna, King Parikshit, 
who was entrusted to his grandfather by the lord of the Yadavas, requested Sukadev to relate more of the same sacred pastimes that have captivated his mind. I mean, now we're talking, this is more and more concentrated. They're becoming the Leela of the Lord. His manifestations are now becoming uh, more and more captivating, especially when something like this is displayed, as expressed in the verse. King Parichit is, is, is more captured. Jiva Goswami goes on in his Anucheta to put it this way. Uh, the adjectival phrase, Yan Nigrahita Cheta, which captivated his mind, modifying Parikshit, is broken down as follows. Whose mind was completely taken hold of, or in other words, overcome by hearing the sacred pastimes of Sri Krishna. There's one paragraph in the middle of the commentary that... Uh, it's very interesting, and it gives us some insight into uh, the workings of the mind and also some insight into Rupa Goswami's statement in the Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu in the very beginning. Uh, so I'll read it. The constitutional makeup of the mind is such that it can perceive only one object, thought, or emotion at any one particular micro-instant. It is due only to the rapidly fluctuating nature of the mind that it appears capable of holding multiple precepts simultaneously. In actual fact, it grasps them one after another in high-speed succession. Parikshit's mind, however, was so fully absorbed moment to moment in hearing Krishna's stories that he was unable to perceive any discomfort caused by hunger and thirst. Being a king, he was not accustomed to such discomforts, and that is why he lost his temper at Samika Rishi when the latter failed to respond to his request for water. Indirectly, the king thereby informed Sukha that he should not pause even momentarily in his recitation of these stories, lest his mind be distracted by hunger and thirst. So he really wants to not, he doesn't want to take a chance here. He knows Krishna relayed to his grandfather on the battlefield, you know, at the time of death, think of me. Whoever does that never has to take birth again. So Maharaj Parikshit is like, don't, don't, don't pause, don't break, don't, don't even take a breath. Just keep speaking these pastimes. Otherwise, I could be distracted and die, and then I, then it's all lost. I won't I won't be taking advantage of uh, of Krishna's instruction of remembering him at the moment of death. And also, we see we can kind of get an this gives us an entrance into these concepts that we hear about, like samadhi. What's it like to enter samadhi? Here we're speaking about the mind being a supercomputer of ever-changing attentions from this to that to another, so much so that we, you know, we're, we're constantly pulled. We think we're doing so many different things, but the mind itself can only grasp 
one thing at a time, as presented in the commentary here. Uninterrupted is the quality of unalloyed devotion. Uninterrupted. So that gives us a key, uninterrupted concentration, uninterrupted devotion. If our devotional practice is uninterrupted, is if, if everything that we're doing is centered on Krishna, then that's, that's the perfection of religion. That's what Rupa is talking about at the very beginning of Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu. Uninterrupted. Uh, and fully, con fully intent on pleasing Krishna. That's the definition. When we hear about devotees, this this sense of entering into samadhi, we can see what easier way to enter into samadhi than to completely saturate your consciousness with the leela of, of Krishna. This is the key to success, successful execution of devotional service, that you're not your mind is always remembering Krishna, either chanting his name, remembering his leela, hearing this leela. We become our our concentration and everything becomes saturated. We become Krishna conscious, and Krishna conscious is a continual affair. And when we reach that level of continued, like Parikshit is begging for, from Sukadev Goswami. Don't stop for an instant. Keep it coming. You know, because look at what happened to me when I didn't keep my mind fixed. I was overtaken by hunger and thirst. And being overtaken by hunger and thirst, I lost, I lost my religion. And I offended a Brahmin. So I don't want to lose my religion here at the end of life. And we, as devotees, we want to come to this stage of never losing our religion. We want to continually remember Krishna under every circumstance. So, and it's a way to think about it, just to think about it in the context of this, this commentary here, is uh, it gives us some insight into, we talk, we, we hear, you know, you hear about this, well, I meditate, you know, what, what do you mean? You look at the tip. What do you? What's meditation? But turning the mind off for the for the most part, the yogis. That's that's the definition that's put forth in contemporary society. Well, if you meditate, you're just you're clearing your mind of all the all the garbage. You're clearing it all all out. Yeah. Good luck with that. How's that going for you? I mean, how long can that happen? They say, oh, I sit and I, um, I'm in, I'm clearing my mind. Yeah, I, good, I just, yeah, I have a hard time accepting it. I mean, I can understand it in the traditional sense. If you can concentrate your mind fully on your breath and, you know, like that. And But it's accomplishing that within the lifespan of a Kali Yuga, of a Kali Yuga in one life 
even going off to the mountains and going into a mountain cave, I still think it's going to be quite a difficult affair. But our process is very simple. The pro this process of simply being absorbed in the Lilith, simply hearing and chanting and, and becoming absorbed in that way, it's, it's, it's something that can be accomplished. It's something that we have uh, available to us and we can see how it can get to the point of absolute absorption. We can see how someone like a Bhaktivinoda Thakur can be so absorbed in such thinking and hearing and chanting that his house does become Vaikuntha. There's nothing else to distract. There's no, no involvement. We can see practical, practically in our own experience that if we're overtaken, we've learned through the through years of practice, we can take shelter of the holy name and the relief immediately comes. It is an immediately immediate effect of, of, of relief from the miseries of material existence. But to get to the stage of chanting Continually, it's, it's, that's called sadhana bhakti. We're working towards that stage. But at, that, at the stage of complete absorption, there's nothing else in the mind except, oh, I've got to cook for the deities, I've got to dress the deities, I've got to bathe the deities, I've got to cook for the devotees, I've got to take prasadam, I've got to listen to class, I've got to chat my rounds, got to read, I've got to do this, seva and that seva, and then all of a sudden, there's no nothing else in your life, and you finally that's that's the perfection of your life. You're serving Krishna twenty four seven, three sixty five or six. Anucheta fifty one. Okay, so we're still in the second division. Krishna is the subject of the Bhagavat's major dialogues. Remember that this section will continue until the 73rd Anucheta, so Anucheta 51. Pariksit longs to hear specifically about Krishna. So again, this is just more and more reinforcement. This is the, this is the fourfold flanks, military division protecting the, uh, the Parivas Sutra doesn't need any protection it stands on its own but uh, Jiva Goswami has used this as the fourfold army so the king is totally totally protected by these uh, these various divisions of the army and we're in the division of showing that the major dialogues of the Bhagavatam can all be seen in the light of of the Parivas Sutra, which is meaning that the Bhagavat Purana is about the supreme manifestation of Godhead, Bhagavan Sri Krishna. Jiva Goswami continues here. The following statement of King Parichya should also be consulted. And then he quotes again from the 10th canto, the 7th chapter. O Master, the deeds that Bhagavan Hari, Krishna, the supreme controller, enacts through whatever avatars 
are charming to our ears and attractive to our hearts. Again, Maharaj Pariksit is addressing Sukadeva Goswami. These leelas, they're attractive. They're pleasing, charming. If you think it fit, kindly narrate those particular exploits of Sri Hari by listening to which a person's depression and material hankerings disappear. My mind is quickly purified and devotion to Sri Hari becomes manifest along with friendship towards his devotees. I'm sorry, not my, it's his mind. So this whole verse is being said, Parikshit saying, narrate those pastimes that will remove depression, all material hankerings, and that when you hear them, someone who hears them, their mind becomes quickly purified, no delay, and devotion to Sri Hari becomes man becomes manifest along with friendship towards his devotees. Then, Jiva Goswami continues in this Anucheta by quoting Sridhar Swami's comments on this verse. From the Bhavartha Dipika. Bhavartha Dipika is his commentary on the Bhagavat Purana. Being submerged in the inundation of bliss arising from the nectarian ocean of Sri Krishna's childhood exploits, the king, intending to ask again about those very pastimes, glorifies others as well. Others in this context being other other pastimes of the personality of Godhead. Continues as follows. Whatever deeds Bhagavan Hari enacts through whichever avatar, such as matcha and so on, are certainly pleasing to our ears and delightful to our minds. Yet, if you would be so kind, please narrate those particular enchanting pastimes of Hari by hearing which mental depression and the various hankerings that are its root cause of any person whosoever are removed and purification of the heart, devotion to Hari and love for him in servitorship and friendship all ensue without delay. The word Haram could mean the exploits of Hari or captivating to the mind. Thus ends Sridhar's comment. So a distinction's being made here. Yes, all the leelas of all the various avatars are certainly pleasing and delightful to hear, but there's a distinction in Krishna's pastimes. Krishna's pastimes have additional qualities, is what Sridhar Swami's drawing from this verse. Those additional qualities are immediately we're talking about removing, removing any mental depression caused by material anxiety. Uh, at its root. And they're good for everyone. 
there's no qualification. Everyone can hear these pastimes and, and immediately experience this effect. And what are those effects? Purification of the heart, devotion to Hori, and love for him in servitorship and friendship all ensue without delay. Read the commentary just to keep the flow going here of the point so that it sinks in. The leelas of other avatars, such as Macha, are no doubt pleasing to the mind, but those of Sri Krishna have extraordinary power to dispel ignorance, grant love for him, and friendship toward his devotees. King Pariship made this statement after hearing about the deliverance of Putna. Putna came to murder baby Krishna by smearing her breast with deadly poison. Though just an infant, Krishna not only slew Putna, but also elevated her to the status of a nurse in the spiritual domain. This is the extent of Krishna's most astonishing grace on wit to on those who approach him even out of enmity. Uddhava praised this quality in the following words. And now there's going to be two verses, uh, one from Uddha and one from Brahma, speaking to this specific character of Krishna and to the specific benefit of healing, hearing these leelas of Swayam Bhagavan Sri Krishna. How astonishing indeed. This is from Uddhava. Although the unvirtuous demoness Putna, the sister of the demon Baka, applied deadly poison to her breast and suckled Krishna, with the intent to kill him, she was granted the position appropriate for a foster mother. Consequently, could there be anyone, anyone more merciful than him who we should approach for shelter? Brahma also indirectly praised Krishna's grace on Putna while singing out the unique position of the residents of Raj. And this is a quote. Now we're into the prayers of Brahma after the Brahma Vimohan Leela. Even Putna, along with her family members, attained your mercy by imitating the dress of a cowherd damsel. Therefore, O Lord, my mind is bewildered when I ponder what reward other than yourself, the embodiment of the totality of all benedictions, you will bestow on these residents of Raj, whose homes, wealth, friends, dear relatives, children, Bodies, lives, and aspirations exist only for your sake. Where it all is a boon to be found, such as you. Here we see Parikshit Maharaj, even though he's, he's also extending honor to the other avataric descents of the Supreme. He's specifically requesting and, and showing the additional virtues of Swayam Bhagavan's Leela. Uh, they have some, some additional significance here. Anucheta 52. Again, we're in the major dialogues of the Bhagavat Purana. Sukadev's intent to speak about Krishna. So, you see, Jiva Goswami, by 
he's pulling out all these verses and showing these are the major hearers. Here's Parikshit. This is what's his consciousness. These are verses he said that make it absolutely clear as to the the exalted position of Krishna as Swayam Bhagavan and the characteristics of the Leela of Bhagavan in comparison to the Leela of the other avatars that are mentioned in the Bhagavat Purana and that specifically Parikshit Maharaj wanted to hear Krishna Leela. This, this, this was his, the intent. And he, Jiva Goswami is fortifying this by statements like statements from Uddhava. Who else would you want to hear about? Who else is, who else is, is doing what Krishna, you know, the results of these Leelas, the way he treated even those that are inimical towards him, who wanted to kill him? And, and Brahma, the same thing. Look what Putin got. What do you think the people that actually played with him and loved him got? We can't imagine. I can't imagine. You can only imagine. <laughs> so this reinforcement is just, I mean, Jiva Goswami, what, what a contribution to the Gaudiya Vaishnav community is this, these Sandarbhas and this Krishna Sandarbha to, to bring out in such a profound way so that when we go back and we hear these leelas and we, we read through the Bhagavatam again and again through the lens of the knowledge that Jiva's imparted through the Sandarbhas, it, it really it, it changes and fortifies the whole practice of well, one of those five items that Lord Chaitanya said, these five. If you want to do the these are the these are the best practices for one desiring pure devotional service. And one is Bhagavatam. Being immersed in the in the Bhagavat. Living in Vrindavan, serving the devotees, chanting Hare Krishna, serving the deity. These things. These if you do these, your life will become successful. If you do all of them. If you do one of them, your life will become successful. Krishna is the sole aim of Sri Sukadev. King Parichik indicated Sri Sukha's exclusive devotion, love for Sri Krishna, by statements such as these, quoted earlier in Anucheta 48. So now he's gonna he's going to re-present a verse that he's already presented earlier. We're in Anacheda 52, and he's going to go back, and he's he. It's the same exact verse. He's presenting it again. He has more to say about it. This really shows the intent of Sukadev's discourse. That Sukadev, he narrated so many things, but he, like Parikshit, was focused on presenting Krishna in his discourse. Indeed, Bhagavan Sri Krishna, who is exceedingly dear to the sons of Pandu, must be pleased with me. This is Parikshit Maharaj speaking. What glory. So you can remember, we've already just heard this verse. What a, what a glorious position here we have that Parikshit's just overwhelmed with the good, good fortune. 
here I am at the verge of death and without any qualification, maybe because I was born in the family of the Pandavas. It has to be that. There's nothing else that I have nothing else going for me. This I had going for me. Indeed, Bhagavad Sri Krishna, who is exceedingly dear to the sons of Pandu, must be pleased with me. It is solely for the pleasure of his cousins that he has accepted me as his own next of kin because it was, I was born in their family. Otherwise, how at all could it be possible for an ordinary human being like me who is on the verge of death to obtain a vision of you, Sukadev, whose movements are unknown, who are magnificent and perfected to the highest degree? Jiva Goswami continues, Immediately thereafter, by his question, what should be heard by those on the verge of death, the king insinuated that it is his final, that in his final, final moments, Sukha should instruct him specifically about Sri Krishna. Discerning the, his intention, Sri Sukha said, O king, this question, question submitted by you about what is paramount paramount among all that is worthy to be heard by human beings is most excellent it is approved by the knowers of the absolute and is beneficial for the entire world now this little part of the discourse is not from the 10th canto it's from the from the uh, from the first the end of the first sukadev isn't he's he's just it's the end of the first canto and Parikshit's you know we're setting the stage and then Sukha enters the stage at the very beginning of the second canto the verse by Sukadev Goswami is the very first verse at the beginning of the second canto you've you've asked a great question here what should you do at death okay that's we can start there that's a great place to begin it's worthy for you and it's worthy to be heard by all hu human beings. It's a most excellent question. Sri Jiva paraphrases and then Jiva writes the following in his Anucheda. The question raised by you about what is paramount, para, among all that is meant to be heard by human beings is most excellent, varyan. The word para, paramount, here signifies that the topic implied by the question is supreme, parama, because its aim is to hear about Sri Krishna. The word varyan, most excellent, means that this inquiry greatly exceeds parama mahan, all other questions about the avatars and avataris, and has been submitted in such a manner that the entire world will be benefited. In other words, Sri Sukha here implies that Parikshit has already attained complete fulfillment because he is bound in exclusive love for Sri Krishna as earlier described. This is confirmed by Sri Sutta. So Sutta is confirming this later in the second canto, fourth chapter. Having assimilated Sri Sukha's instruction, instruction, which ascertains the truth regarding absolute reality, 
King Parichit, the son of Uttara, fixed his pure mind on Sri Krishna. Jiva continues, the adjective satim, pure, qualifies the word batim, mind, signifies that while Parichit's mind was already previously established in Krishna's, he now fixed it even more intently on him. The king discloses this very truth later on. Jiva Goswami concludes this Anucheda with the following from the second canto. The stories of Sri Hari, who possesses extraordinary power, are highly auspicious for humanity. A greatly fortunate one, please disclose them to me so that I may give up my body while fixing my mind free of all attachments on Sri Krishna, the supreme self of all beings. The Art of Dying Parikshit's tuned in to the art of dying. He knows what, what he has to do here. Uh, the time is quickly approaching. Uh, within a week, seven days, any day of the week we can go. We don't know which day it'll be, but one of those one of those days of the week will be our last. So Parikshit's uh, very much... Do we have any questions this evening? All right, thank you so much for your association.